Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so happy to have my guest, Rachel Greenberg, here with us today. I've been following Rachel a long time on Twitter, and I found some of the neatest people in social media. And that's that's kind of a, a nice thing to do when, when we are in the process of grieving with, or grieving, yes, in the process of grieving, but I meant to say dealing with grief and or loss, because a lot of times that's kind of lonely. And, and by meeting cool people and people that we have something in common with on social media. I think it really helps. So welcome, Rachel. So happy to have you here today. Thank you, Emily. I'm I'm happy to be here. And it's interesting what you say about meeting people on social media. That's why I, I got involved with social media was to meet other um, bereaved people like myself. And I have a probably good five to seven very close friends now that I met through the the grief like the grief work on social media so oh that's so good to hear I know yeah. that uh when when I first started out doing uh things on social media with grief it was after my second husband who died died and we had only lived on Maui for a couple of years and I really didn't know that many people and I definitely didn't know anybody who was grieving so through reaching out to people that were local to me here through social media, I, I could find some support, which was was really nice. So what, what kind of um, support did you find? Or tell me about your social media journey. Well, I mean, uh, I can start actually back with my story, if you'd like. That would be me. great. Please do my that. Story. So uh, September, I mean, not September, I'm going to say that March 23rd, um, 2013, started out like any other day. I left my house to do errands like I'd done so many Saturdays before that. And while I was away, my husband, Glenn, suffered a fatal brain bleed. Mm-hmm. We never saw each other again. He was rushed to the hospital and I was immediately told there was no hope. The head physician said, he's got a brain bleed as bad as they come say your goodbyes. We'll try and operate if you'd like to relieve the pressure in the blood, but it's as bad as it comes. Well, Glenn did, you know, of course I went through with the surgery and he survived the surgery. He was strong. His vitals were strong, but he did not wake up from the coma. So after about two days when he was strong enough to undergo an MRI, I received more bad news the um, brain bleed had caused 80 to 90% brain damage in his brain stem. And I learned that the brain stem controls your primal bodily functions like breathing. So there was no coming back from this. So I called his family in New York and gave them the terrible news. And um, we took him off life support the next day. His sisters came out. And while I was in the hospital, during those couple of days between the surgery and and the the terrible news and the sisters coming, I found out that that Glenn had signed up to be a donor. 
So I remember the story as if it had just happened five minutes before. It was actually about six months before his brain bleed. He had gone to renew his driver's license at the local Department of Motor Vehicles. And I'm sure many of you know how that is. Very long lines. So you're there quite a while. And while he was in line, he started talking to the woman next to him, as Glenn just did. He was a friendly guy. And she shared with him that she was a kidney recipient and had received a um, kidney from a donor. And she shared with him during that line all about how she had gone from death's door to then um, having a whole new leaf on life, lease on life and having children of her own. And just he was so inspired that so when he got up to the counter, he said, I'm going to sign up to be a donor. And I remember he came home that day. He had his temporary license and he said, I'm going to be a donor. And he was so proud of himself. Well, little did we know he would be that donor six months later. So with all that said, there was a whirlwind of activity with the donations and and the family coming out and and um, about and this kind of gets to where the social media it takes me to the social media place. But I started immediately going to support groups for the um, family donors. And I found that they really understood me because all of their relatives had died suddenly like Glenn, no, no chance to say goodbye. And we would share with each other that nobody really understands. I, w- I would go home from these meetings, which were only once a month. and But during those meetings, they taught us very early on, it's extremely important that when you lose a loved one, to not squash the feet, to not put it under the carpet, to talk about your grief, to, to talk about your loved one. And that's the best way to actually get through the grief, where I had always thought that that was the opposite. You know, my parents, my mother was British, stiff upper lip, you know, strong, that sort of thing. But I wasn't finding that anyone wanted to talk about it. The only time I I could talk about Glenn or my feelings and the grief would be at this monthly support group for an hour. And that just didn't satisfy me. I, I thought that his friends and family would come running and my friends would. And I found quite the opposite happened. In many ways, I, I felt like I became like a ghost. I'll never forget when I went back to work a few weeks after Glenn's sudden passing, all these wonderful people that I'd worked with for years, I thought they would be welcoming with open arms. Instead, it, it's almost as if they were like, they turned their heads. It's like, oh, step back, widow coming through. So I just felt like a ghost. I, I didn't know what to do. I purchased several grief books. I found them. They left me flat. Most of them I felt were were written for depression when grief really isn't depression. It's it's a very different thing. And so um, without really of a lack of knowing what else to do, I started a Twitter account, Connections of Hope. And I just started tweeting, you know, in the first person about my experience. And I didn't think that anyone would respond or it would matter to anyone. But I have to tell you, immediately, I started hearing from people. I would get um, private messages. I would get emails. People would, you know, find my email. Uh, People would reach out to me from all over the world. And so I just 
started sharing my story more and more. And with that, at the same time, I got very involved with One Legacy, which is the um, local um, organ donation and procurement company in in Southern California, where we then where we lived at the time. And so I started speaking about my grief and they had me as a guest speaker. I would go to hospitals and I would speak to the new hires, to the nurses, the doctors, the janitors, whoever they were, just tell them my story. And just one thing kind of led to to, to another. And I started a website and now here I am today feeling, you know, it'll be 10 years in March. So that's kind of was my journey and how I started and what's kind of taking me to where I am today. I never thought in a million years I would be on social media talking about the sudden passing of my husband. I never thought I would be standing on a stage doing public speaking about it. Uh, it just, but that's just kind of, I guess, what happens with, with grief. And I also started reaching out to a lot of other bereaved people, um, one of the first individuals that I reached out to was actually a Sandy Hook mother who mm. her, who her son was killed, you know, in that terrible day. And she's actually been on the news recently with the lawsuit with um, Alex Jones. She was one of the families who took the suit against him. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, there's something called post-traumatic growth. And I'm like, what is that? And she said, there's a phenomena that can come out of grief if you face your grief and you don't hide it and something happens. It's like a magical thing and that your your heart gets bigger. I mean, not literally, but you become kinder, you become gentler. And that happened to me. And it all really started with the social media and the, the little Twitter. Wow. Wow, you said so much there. <laughs> no. Thinking about a whole lot of different things. I love that post-traumatic growth. Yes. It, yes. As, uh, as you said that, I thought, well, gee, that's me. Because I've had two husbands die. And after the first one, it was just kind of a sad, dark time for me that I wasn't sure I was ever going to get past. And it was like you said when you went back to work that everybody was turning the other way. That I all these people that said they were there for me weren't. And I was very much by myself for a, a long period of time. And then after Ron died, my recent husband who died, it was so different. And I, I feel that by really doing all this work with grief and happiness and doing my podcast, writing my book, having my grief and happiness alliance, all these things that I'm I'm talking about grief all the time. I'm really happy all the time in a way that I wasn't before because I'm actively doing something that I, I know is really helping people. And it's kind of an unexpected gift from grief that I, I think that, that uh, we aren't aware may come our way. That's true. It is an unexpected gift. And I can't tell you how many other people have shared a similar story with me. And I'm so sorry that you lost two excuse me, two husbands. How far apart? How far apart was was the loss? About 12 years, about 12 years apart. So, yeah, it uh, certainly wasn't how I expected to live my life. And I I never expected it to be on my own at this point in my life, but I'm okay with it. And, and I'm, I'm sure it's because I'm, I'm 
participating with uh, right now, people all over the, the world have been uh, reading my book or listening to the podcast or coming to my Grief and Happiness Alliance meetings. And it it just, it feels good. It, it really does. So I can, I can understand what you're saying about feeling good with the work that you're doing. That's so cr- incredibly important. It is important. And what you're doing is important too. I mean, all the grief work mm-hmm. and all the the, the grief workers that I've met through social media, I mean, it's it's similar stories the world over. Yeah. Similar. And I have, I'm a strong believer that we get to that place by facing our grief. Mm-hmm. And with, like I said, with, with Glenn being a donor and going to that meeting just a week after he passed away and, and meeting these families, they actually told me, they said, before you go, they said, before you come to the meeting, bring some pictures because we're going to do some arts and crafts. And I thought, what? So yeah. I sat through tables with these families and we were decorating cigar boxes with pictures of our loved ones. And at the time I thought, this is so weird. Is it gonna, isn't it going to make, you know, our grief worse? But it didn't. Mm-hmm. It's like I would from those meetings and feel like uplifted. It didn't mean that the grief wouldn't come back. I wouldn't have the waves. Yeah. But I convinced by just facing it head on that it almost fast tracks you to um, finding joy again. Not yeah. that you don't go through that hard time because mm-hmm. I'm sure you know as well as I do, there, there, there were some dark days. Oh, sure. And, and there still are unexpectedly just out of the blue. Some you'll hear a song or somebody will say something and it'll trigger something. But you don't stay there. You know, it, it comes, but you're you're able to to go past it. I'm yeah. I'm so impressed with what you're doing with the organ donors because there just aren't enough organ donors. I don't know why everybody's not an organ donor because it it could make such a I, giant I, difference. It's a tissue donor and an organ donor. He helped 127 people. Wow. They, yeah, the youngest was a four year old boy in Tennessee who had had terrible, um, severe burns throughout his entire body. Mm-hmm. So um, the skin graphing, he had a whole new life. I mean, can't even imagine how that child would have been teased growing up. And because of Glenn's you know, generous gift of donation, that young, that young child was able to move forward without all those horrible, horrible scars. And then the oldest was a 94-year-old man that um, Glenn gave the gift of sight to. Oh, wow. Uh, and then actually the, the best was a 23-year-old young man in Hawaii oh. who received Glenn's right shoulder. I'd like to believe that, I'd like to hope that he was a surfer. My late husband was a big surfer. Oh, wow. Well. In Hawaii, that's likely. <laughs> wow. How beautiful. Yes. I know when, when Ron died, not Ron, Jacques <laughs> I still get their names mixed up, which, you know, they were as opposite as they could possibly be, but I just keep saying the wrong one. But when Jacques died, they took him to the hospital, even though he really was a a do not resuscitate because he was at home and he still had a, a, not a regular heartbeat. It was kind of just fluttering. And so they took him to the hospital and they came to me and asked me if he was a donor. And I said, well, Yes, uh, I know it's on his driver's license. He's a donor. I've been a donor for as long as they've had that on the driver's licenses. But I said, you, you, I'm sure that 
you're not going to be able to to uh, use anything from him. And they said, oh, yes, you'd be amazed at what they could do. And I, yeah, and I, I thought, well, that's cool. If there is something, then then great, because I know that he'd want that. And they came back a couple hours later and they said they looked at everything and you were right. They they couldn't use any anything he had because he was on dialysis and he had severe diabetes and uh, congestive heart failure. And the combination of those three things made everything unusable. And I, in a way, I was kind of frustrated. I thought, I, I wish you would listen to me, you know, instead of going through this. But go ahead. But if, if they could have found something, that would have been great, though. So I just, it's a conversation I think everybody needs to have. You need to know what your feelings are and let somebody know who, whoever it is that you've got making decisions for you if the time comes that somebody else has to say something that they know what you want so that, that you can have that done yes i agree i agree and i knew and i brought it up but then they they said well they they, they knew already so through the registry yeah so, you know it was um like i said it, it was the beginning for me with the, with connections of hope and helping others. I don't think I would have gotten to that place. I, I don't know. I just, I really don't know, Emily. It, it's like, I could have been so grief stricken, but it's, I, I, I don't know, but I, I, I think it was because the donations and going to that meeting where I brought the picture and we did the arts and crafts and they were talking about, you need to face your grief. You need to talk about it. And so then I was searching out everybody else and not finding what I wanted. And so I thought, I'm going to find them on social media. I know they're there. I mean, and since I found it, I'm sure you know this, there's a whole underworld of millions of people out there, you know, rich, poor, all ethnicities, all backgrounds, you know, that, that, um, that grieve every year. It, it's, it doesn't discriminate. It's, it's, I, I, there's so many people out there and they just, many of them don't have a voice or they feel like they can't talk about their loved ones. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from other grievers that their friends or family would tell them, Oh, it's time to move on now. Or are you still talking about him? You know, just these things are just all these things that would be said to people that I've sensed that I've I've since realized that it's just not helpful at all. It's it's the opposite. It's actually facing the grief, going through it, that helps you get to the other side. Absolutely. It really is. And, you know, when, when people think there's that they're the only one out there grieving, and I hear people say that, you know, <laughs> that they don't know anybody who's grieving. I say the only thing that's, th th there's two things, and we all know this, that everybody experiences, and that's birth and death, you know? Right, right. No, I agree. It's it's true. It's it's absolutely true. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So okay. it's one of those things. Yeah, we, we all have um, more in common than, than we'd, actually think about when you, when you look yep. around, you know, everybody, if you ask anybody that you meet, have, have you lost anyone lately? That Usually, yes, it could be they broke up from their, their romance, you know, but true, it's, true. it's a loss. It, yeah, ev it's everybody a loss. deals with that. Yeah. It and, is true. It's still a loss. Yes. And the, the, the more we have an opportunity to talk to somebody, especially someone who gets it and can say, I felt that way too, or I didn't feel that way, but that's interesting that you're feeling that way. You know, mm -hmm. just being able to have that conversation makes all the difference in the world. Yes, it does make all the difference in the world. It, it's true. It's true. You know, I, and 
I, I've also learned that it's like, I used to, in the very beginning, it was like, I remember leaving the hospital, just thinking, poor me, what am I going to do? No one will ever relate. This is the worst story in the world. No one's ever had it as bad as me. But you know, when I went to that meeting, the, um, the first person that I met was this gentleman who had lost his wife and he told his, we would always tell our stories and he told his story. He said that they had, um, he had met his wife at her job and they were going to a Dodger football game. I mean, baseball game together. And he suggested that so she didn't have to get her, come back and get her car later. He said, let's just drive separately. So he said, she got on the freeway first. He got on behind her. Well, a Mac, a big Mac truck came and she had to get over. And so did he. And, and he ended up rear ending her and killing her. And, but it was clearly not his fault at all. But I mean, I can't even, when I heard that story, I just thought, oh my goodness, it it could always be worse. Mm -hmm. It could always be worse, you know, but he, but he still had a smile on his face. I mean, not that he was happy that it happened, of course Mm -hmm. not, but it had been a couple of years and he was moving forward and and with his life, not moving on, Mm -hmm. but moving Mm -hmm. forward. That's what I like to say. We move forward with and bring our loved ones with us, you know, in our hearts. We don't move on because the idea of moving on basically is message that, oh, you, you, you forgot, you have to forget them. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I agree. That's the same thing I tell people that uh, when, when they say those things like, aren't you over it yet? No, <laughs> not going to happen, yeah. you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. I know it, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> No. And and then, but if someone is, is you know, they lose a loved one, then they understand. It, it's just, it's a club that none of us want to join, <laughs> but right. we become members. And have you found, Emily, that others, other, other bereaved people that you've met, that you have an immediate connection, kind of regardless of their, your background or how the person passed away, just being bereaved? that you yes. immediately have a connection. Yeah, it, it's like a click. But yes. what I, I yes. did after Ron died, I, as I said, I didn't know anybody here in Hawaii who was dealing with loss uh, that, that I knew of. And so uh-huh. I, put, I put a notice on Meetup and said, if you want to write through your grief, because writing is what I specialize in. I've been a writing oh, teacher nice. for years and, and writing really can help with grief. And I thought, I'll just teach other people how they can do things to write to help. So I put this thing on Meetup and said, if you want to do this, come on over to my house on this stand time. And they showed up. And really? <laughs> how many how many people showed up? We had about eight people. And really? they they were all different things from a mother uh, uh, who had a son, somebody whose mother died. It wasn't, I, I keep, mm-hmm. because I was a widow, I was thinking everybody else would be a widow too. Right. But it, it, they, they were all different kinds of loss and it didn't matter mm-hmm. what kind of loss it was. We could all relate to each other. Yes. It doesn't matter the type of loss. You're right. You know, and it's funny because when I first started out on social media, I thought, okay, I'm only going to deal with widows or widowers. And then I realized, and then I thought, okay, no, I'm just going to deal with sudden loss. And then I thought, no, loss is loss. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly where it is. And yeah. and we can just help. Ram Dass said, we're all just walking each other home. And it, I just, I love that quote of his. Yeah. Now. Because it, it's, it's really what we're doing. And, and the more we can do that and do it with a smile and a hug and a good conversation is so much better than 
turning our head and hiding when we see somebody. Agreed, agreed, agreed. And it's funny because the non-bereaved, I've learned that that a lot of them, they just don't know. They're not purposefully hurting someone. I'll never forget about a year or two after my husband died, I was visiting my grandkids back east, which where I where I live now, but I was visiting them back east and we had gone somewhere for a week and we had come back and my grandson's girlfriend came to to meet us when we got back home and stuff and and um she brought up my late husband then she goes, "Oops, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that." And I just thought about it afterwards and I thought, you know, I guess people really think that are non-bereaved, that if you bring up the loved ones, that it, it causes hurt and pain, but it doesn't. It doesn't. I always tell somebody, they'll say, well, what do you say to someone who's dealing with loss? And I say, mention the person that they lost. Yes. Tell, them, tell them a memory, something sweet about them or a happy time that you experienced or that sort of thing. And, and that, that'll make you feel better than anything else. It's true. It's true. I can't tell you. I mean, I'm sure you're happy when somebody brings up your your um your late husbands. Mm-hmm. I, I know it makes me feel wonderful when anyone brings up Glenn in conversation. I light right up. It doesn't make me feel and somebody just did that today. I was on the phone with somebody and she goes, oh, well, you remember what, how Ron used to do this? And I said, yeah, I do. <laughs> and it just it made me smile and, and have a happy yeah. memory. And it felt good. Right. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Well, gee, this is such a wonderful conversation. And I really hope that through this, we've maybe inspired some people to make that check mark on their driver's license to be a donor and to let people know. Exactly. I mean, it's like what would be the end of of life. If you're a donor, it's a silver lining. You have an addendum. That's right. And, and that addendum is a silver lining that you go on to help others and you live on through others. And, you know, there's many stories about um, donors who have a little bit of a change in personality or they'll all of a sudden have all these cravings for these foods they never had before. So you really do live on. And then for the relatives and the family of the donor, the person who passed away, you have all these wonderful benefits with these organizations. And I know they're the same the world over. Mm-hmm. And there's there's local affiliates. It's Donate Life is, is the main organization in the United States. But they're they're all over the world and there's there's different divisions and there's so much that they do to help the families. Yes. I, I don't know if I would have been able to get through all of this on my own without that help. That's so wonderful. Wow. Well, thank you for so much for joining me today. I I think we've done a lot of good through this conversation. I, I think so too. I think so too. And I I'm I'm very grateful that you asked me to be a guest on your podcast. Um I've been following you as well and I'm impressed with your work. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I will have Rachel's information in the show notes that you can see right below the recording here. And I encourage you to take some action on organ donating now. (laughs) You never know when. when Yes, go to (laughs) donatelife.org. There you go. (laughs) Okay, thank you very much. And I'll, I'll see my listeners or hear my listeners next week. Uh, with another great guest. So thank you so much for joining us. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. 
Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.